0: Today's sermon passage is John chapter 20, verses 24 through 29. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed.
1: So now our Father and our God, we pray that you would speak to us from your word. Spirit of the living God, we know and believe that you have inspired These words for us. We know that you are the one who opens our minds and our eyes and our hearts to believe. We know that we need you to work. Spirit, as we're not gathered today, we pray that you would stir. Pray for all of those who are engaging with this message that you would stir faith, promote trust in Jesus. Lord, I pray you would help me now to speak a word that is true, a word that is biblical, and a word that would honor you. So help us all, Father, we pray in the strong and mighty and powerful name, of Jesus the Lord. Amen. If you haven't already, please take your Bible and turn to um, the book of John, chapter 20. Um, here at Redeemer... We are considering the appearances of Jesus after his resurrection. So the facts of the story, Jesus, the Son of God, was was born to a virgin. He lived and taught and ministered for some 30-ish years. At the right time, he was betrayed. Arrested, condemned to death, and crucified on a Roman cross. Scriptures tell us, bearing the sins of the world, taking the punishment for sin. And then the third day, he rose from the dead. Showing that death cannot be defeated. Excuse me, that death is defeated. Showing that that Jesus is alive. Showing that His promises are fulfilled. And then He appears. In numerous times, in numerous places, to numerous people. And we want to give our attention to those appearings. Asking the question, what does this show us? What does this teach us? How does this shape us? And so today, we are looking at A story about a disciple named Thomas. When Jesus had first appeared to his disciples on that Resurrection Sunday, what we celebrate on Easter Sunday, Thomas was not there with them. And so Thomas is struggling with what to make of the claims of the resurrection having not seen the resurrected Jesus and having not touched him. And what we see in this passage is Jesus returns to the disciples, returns to and peers to Thomas, and speaks directly to his doubt. And does so in such a way that helps us today. So this entire message is going to push us to this question. How do we respond to Jesus? How do we respond to Jesus? And the passage, particularly, is going to call us to trust and allegiance. It's going to call us to trust in Jesus and allegiance to Jesus that transcends all of our questions. Now, let's look at this together. As a note taker, our first point this morning is absence and doubt. Absence and doubt. So John tells us just a few verses before beginning in chapter 20 verse 19 that on that resurrection Sunday the disciples were gathered in a room with the door shut and Jesus appeared and his words were peace be with you. A similar telling of this account is also in Luke chapter that we looked at last week now what we learned today is that when this appearing happened on Resurrection Sunday Thomas was not there Thomas had been one of the twelve, Thomas had been in that inner circle close to Jesus earlier in the story of the life of Jesus in John chapter 11 when when Jesus' friend Lazarus has died It was Thomas who said, let us follow him and go with him and die with him. A few chapters later, John chapter 14, it was Thomas who interacted with Jesus when Jesus said, I'm going to go away and I'm the way and the truth and the life. It was Thomas who said, Lord, we, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And it was to Thomas that Jesus said, I am the way and the truth. In the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. So so Thomas is not uh, on the fringe. Thomas is, is in the middle of the disciples. And Thomas is struggling to make sense of the realities of the story. Jesus is our Messiah. Jesus died, but now he's alive. And before we pick on Thomas, we should also remember from Luke 24 that the other disciples were struggling to make sense of the reality of the story as well. So when Jesus had come a week earlier, it says in Luke 24 verse 41, they they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling. So the, 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 the essence of our... Claims about Jesus is not this level of certainty that satisfies all questioning, but rather it is believing a story about a person who is faithful. And so in Thomas, we see what struggling to believe looks like, but Thomas isn't alone, and Thomas isn't on the fringes, and I don't think Thomas is unlike many of us. So Thomas was struggling to make sense with what to do with the news about Jesus. And so he, he says, as recorded in verse 25, Unless I see in his hands the marks of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. So, Thomas connects the dots for us. We're not left to guess. He wants to see and he wants to touch. And it doesn't know if he can trust and follow Jesus without having greater understanding. So, Thomas is often known as Doubting Thomas. The word doubt never shows up in the text. But what we see is Thomas is not believing. He is not trusting. He is not accepting the reality of the resurrection. He's struggling to make sense of it. And in our English language, one of the best words to summarize that is doubt. Um, Doubt is defined as a feeling of uncertainty or a lack of of conviction, and so I think it's really important that we understand that doubt and belief, doubt and disbelief, or belief and disbelief, doubt and belief, they are counterbalanced by one another. Belief is quenching to doubt, and doubt is quenching to belief. But we also must understand that that doubt. And belief are not just words about the intellect and about factuality. But rather, they are words about trust. They are words about allegiance. One of the biggest missteps that we make within the church is to assume that all doubt is rooted In an absence of facts. We assume that the answer to doubt is more data. And friends, I would argue that our discipleship, and I'm not hurling stones outward, I'm starting with me, but our discipleship is often driven by more data equals more faith types of formulas. Now, our faith is rooted in fact. Our faith is rooted in a factual tradition. Jesus really lived. Jesus really died. Jesus really rose again. Jesus really appeared to many. So the beginnings of faith is an plausible excuse me, a plausible explanation of a factual reality. But faith is so much more than an exam on a test. Often, data is the cause. Of our doubt. But many, many times our doubt is not rooted in data. It's rooted in experience. It's rooted in pain. It's rooted in human suffering. It's rooted in not knowing how to make sense of the current moment. And the answer is always Jesus. But it might be His tenderness or his love or his mercy or his compassion or the totality of his being that satisfies our doubt and not just factualities so thomas has doubt thomas want, wants to see the risen lord which then pushes us toward this question. What does Jesus do with the doubts of Thomas? And so that leads us to the second point, if you are one of our note-taking friends. Addressing doubt. How does Jesus address the doubt of Thomas? Here's the short answer. Jesus appears again. Jesus approaches Thomas, and Jesus offers him two things. A clear vision of himself, and a call to faith. Jesus approaches the doubt of Thomas, and offers him a clear vision of himself, and a call to faith. So we're told in the story that eight days later, and again... This is the next Sunday. It's on the eighth day. So, just as in Jesus was risen on the third day, um, this happened on the eighth day, which would be the next Sunday. So, the eight days include both Sundays. The disciples were gathered again inside. Jesus appears. He says, Peace be with you. And then, in verse 27, he turns. And looks at Thomas and says, put your finger here, see my hands. Put out your hand, place it in my side. Jesus turns to Thomas directly and reveals himself to the one who was struggling to believe. Now, we want to be careful to not read too much into a narrative like this, but minimally, minimally, this says that Jesus was not inherently opposed to the questions of Thomas. Minimally, this says to us, That Jesus was eager to address the questions that Thomas had. Minimally, this says to us. That Jesus. Rather than shaming Thomas. Wants Thomas to find hope. And confidence. And faith. says to us that God's not afraid of our questions. So if you're engaging with this today from a a position of unbelief, from a position of doubt, from a position of questioning, I, I want you to see that Jesus is willing to speak directly to your doubt. Now that doesn't mean that He'll give you all the answers. That doesn't mean that He'll dot all the I's and cross all the T's and give you the perfect five-year plan for what's coming in your life. But it does mean that He will reveal Himself to you and call you to believe. I have no problem exhorting any of you today to say prayerfully, say this, Jesus, if you're real, help me see, help me believe, show me yourself, and then take up Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, those are four books in the New Testament, and start reading. And I promise that what we see is a Christ who makes himself known. Also, friends, I know that there are some dear brothers and sisters who have a, a safe and secure place in the kingdom of God who belong to this church who still are wrestling with questions about truth and reality. And such wrestling Brothers and sisters are not second class in the kingdom. And Jesus is not looking to condemn, but he will continue to meet our doubts with himself and with his word and with his promises and with a call to faith. So Jesus looks to Thomas and he says, See my hands. Touch them. Place your hand in my side. And then he calls Thomas to faith. He says, do not disbelieve, but believe. One translation of this verse reads, Stop being a disbeliever and show yourself to be a believer. What's being said is, Thomas, I'm here before you. You can touch my hands, you can touch my side. But either way, I'm calling you to trust me because faith is not about having all the answers. Faith is about trusting Christ and His Word and His person and His character to be a good, faithful deliverer of His people for now and for all of eternity. The Scripture doesn't call us to necessarily live in certainty. It calls us to live in faith in Jesus. And the purpose of truth, and the purpose of theology, and the purpose of story, and the purpose of the Bible is to draw us into a deeper faith in Jesus. Now, an interesting note from John 20. And scholars debate this. The next thing in the story, this is not debatable, the next thing in the story is Thomas falls down and declares faith in Jesus. But what's missing from the story, what we don't know, is whether or not he touched the wounds. We don't know whether he put his hand in his side or not. We just know that he fell down and worshiped. There is a a logical possibility from this scripture that Thomas was encountered with the resurrected Jesus and that was enough. He didn't need to touch. He didn't need to put his hand in the side any longer because he had seen the risen Jesus. He had heard his voice. He had seen Christ engaging into his questions and he became sufficiently convinced To believe. And so Thomas proclaims, my Lord and my God. The response to the resurrected Jesus, the response to the call of faith is to proclaim my Lord and my God. Another way to understand this is Thomas looks upon the resurrected Christ and he says, the one whom I trust, the one whom I will follow, and the one to whom I will give ultimate allegiance. Faith in Jesus Christ is about allegiance and trust. Faith in Jesus Christ is about trusting. Faith is depending upon Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, the acceptance before God, new life now, eternal life in the future, and God's blessing for all time. Faith is saying, I trust Christ to give me that. We live in a faith world. What God is calling His church to today is faith. It's trust. It's allegiance. It's, it's willing to walk with Jesus no matter the cost and willing to endure all things, believing that He will faithfully build His people, faithfully forgive His people of our sins, faithfully Bless us and keep us all the way into eternity. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 39 says, We are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve our souls. What we learn from the confession of Thomas, my Lord and my God, is that what Jesus is seeking to to draw out of us is trust and allegiance. It's belief, it's entrusting ourselves and our hopes and our eternity into Him and saying we stand with Him no matter what the moment looks like. There's a parallel in, in, in this time Roman citizens were called upon to declare Caesar is Lord, Caesar is God. And the essence of that declaration is not just to believe that there is a Caesar and that he's in power, but it is to declare that I will follow Caesar, I will depend upon Caesar, I will trust Caesar, and I will worship Caesar. And when Thomas falls down and says, my Lord and my God, what he's saying of Jesus is, I trust him, I obey him, I am obedient to him, I will di- display allegiance to him, I will follow him, and I will serve him. This word belief is so much broader than our minds. And that's why the answer to our doubts are so much broader than facts, than facts and factuality. Jesus is calling us to a heart disposition of trust and willingness to follow him. And that is the disposition that saves. So I want to tidy a few things up and then we'll be done. may ask a couple questions. Number one, pastor, are you saying that theology and truth and facts do not matter? No, I am not saying that. Our faith is a factual tradition built upon truth as revealed in the scripture. Therefore, fact and truth and theology do matter. They are a foundation of of our faith. It matters that Jesus was really born of a virgin. It matters that he really died. It matters that he really performed miracles before he died. It matters that he really um, was put into a tomb. And it matters that he rose again. And it matters that he appeared. And it matters that he ascended into heaven. Those things matter. If they are untrue, the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, our faith falls apart. Yet, we don't True, false, fact check our way into Christianity. We trust Christ because of who He is. Our faith is rooted in truth, but it moves beyond our brains into all of our being and trusting ourselves into Jesus. Second, is Thomas... A picture of conversion or a picture of living in Christ. And I would say it could be both. Perhaps some of us today are separated from Jesus. Perhaps we're not Christ followers. Perhaps we've never come to a place of conversion. Conversion looks a lot like Thomas. Seeing who Jesus is as revealed in the scriptures, falling down, believing in him, And crying out, my Lord and my God, I trust you, save me. And perhaps that's where you are today. I would invite you to call out to him today and be saved. Saved from what? Saved from sin? Saved from death? Saved from everlasting torment? Saved into eternal life with Christ. Saved into a life of blessing and promise. But I'd also say that the doubt of Thomas is not just unique to those that are far from God. The doubt of Thomas can be very present within the community of faith. And to that doubt, within the community of faith, we would say, look to Jesus, look to what he's revealed about himself, and hear his call to trust, to be faithful to him and to Hear the words of Jesus. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And if you're a believer wrestling in doubt, don't try to hide from God, but run to him. Because questions can be asked from a posture of faith. Questions are not inherently sinful. Finally, verse 29. Have you believed because you have seen me? This is Jesus talking. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. This is Jesus really making the point. That the blessing doesn't come to those who physically touch him. But those who trust him. And Jesus is inviting us to a posture of trust. And a posture of hope. And a posture of endurance. First Peter Chapter 1 verse 8 says. Though you have not seen him. You love him. Though you do not now see him. You believe in him. And rejoice with joy. That is inexpressible. And filled with glory. Obtaining the outcome of your faith. The salvation of your souls. Those who trust in Christ. Will not be put to shame. Let's trust him today. And let's take all things to him. Including our questions our struggles, and our doubts. So Father, we pray that you would teach your people from your word now this morning. Lord, whatever's good and true and right that's been said this morning, I pray that you would cause it to be heard and cling to and believed. Pray this in Jesus' name.